Welcome to Team Building Cultures, the podcast designed to deliver tools and tips for improving team communication, collaboration, and fostering a culture where teams thrive. Now, here's your host, Beverly Hathorn, owner of Strategic HR Consultants. Hello, all, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Team Building Cultures. I am your host, Beverly Hathorne, and today I'm very excited to speak with Dr. Danny Brissell. Danny Brissell is a highly sought-after speaker, trainer, and coach, kind of known as the Jim Carrey with the PhD. So we're in for a treat today. He has spoken to over 3,500 audiences, worldwide and authored 15 books, including his latest, Leadership Begins with Motivation. He coaches business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives on how to increase their income, freedom, and impact by creating engaging presentations. Today, he's gonna talk to us about bringing joy back into the workplace. Wonderful, that's gonna be a really exciting topic. Some of the nuggets he'll drop for us will be, why reading matters, how to create a positive workplace environment, and why speaking is the fastest way to grow your business. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Brissell. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for having me, Beverly. More importantly, thank you so much for your show. We need a lot more joy in the world, and you're providing it in spades. I appreciate it. Yes, I certainly try to do that. Thank you for acknowledging that. So let's just let's just get get right into it. I'll start with um, asking you what what exactly is your mission? Well, thank you for that, Beverly. My mission is to bring joy back into education in the workplace, and so I do that in four ways. And you talked about them briefly in the introduction. First of all, I speak all over the world to schools, companies, and organizations, and really I'm just kind of re-energizing everybody so they won't quit. Second of all, I have the world's top reading engagement program online, which in just over two months shows parents ways to get their kids to read more, read better, and most importantly, to love reading. Third, uh, you talked about, uh, I work with executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners on how to create uh, powerful presentations that get their audience to take the next step, whether that's to purchase their product or to donate to their cause, or even just to simply invest in their idea. And then finally, uh, I work with a company called CyberSmarties, which is a wonderful company created by Dermot Hudner out of Ireland, which is a social media platform that teaches kids ages 5 to 12 how to use social media in a positive way. So the way that works is, for example, let's say I type a message to you. I say, Beverly, I think you're ugly. It won't let me send the message. Instead, you get a message that says, that's not a nice thing to say to Beverly. Here are some positive things to say to Beverly. It's funny because it frustrates kids so much that it slows them down that within three days on average, kids completely stop sending negative messages. And the program has been shown to completely eliminate cyberbullying in Ireland. Now the program's in India, Turkey, UAE, New Zealand, and I'm now uh, uh, getting the program here into the United States. So. That's a long answer to your very short question, Beverly. <laughs> oh, well, that's very thorough. And thank you for providing that information. Uh, cyberbullying is a, a, a newer concept, 
but it is particularly destructive. It's extremely destructive. So I'm happy to see someone uh, leading a charge for that. Tell us a little bit more about your cyber smarties. I'm very interested in hearing about that. Well, you know, especially one of the things I love about cyber smarties is uh, so it, nobody ever taught anybody how to use social media. And usually when something new comes along, we always go to the lowest common denominator, which has happened, unfortunately. And so Dearmid was concerned about how do we get kids to use social media in a positive way. And the platform's amazing because we work with uh, police departments and schools. And so in order to be on the platform, you can only be a kid. Uh, there's no pictures allowed. It's all avatars. And um, so we ask kids questions. And the amazing thing about kids, Beverly, is they're honest. And so every day we ask the kid, how are you feeling today? And if a kid says multiple days in a row that they're feeling angry, well, we can work with law enforcement and say, well, we're not going to tell you which kid, but there's a kid at this school that's been uh, feeling angry, maybe we need to do some kind of proactive uh, training at this school, because one of our goals is to really prevent uh, school shootings, which are abundant now in America. It's ridiculous. Um, I had a meeting with UNICEF a couple of weeks ago, and I said, well, one of my goals is that every child in Africa has their own cell phone that's solar powered, and we can ask those kids questions like, did you eat breakfast today? And if the kids are saying they haven't eaten, well, now UNICEF knows where we can uh, deliver food to those communities. So there's all kinds of positive possibilities, and we're just we're just touching the surface right now with it. Wow, those there's like you said, there's all sorts of possibilities. That's extremely relevant and extremely helpful. I think that even the most attentive parent and the most attentive um, teachers need some help in identifying all these critical aspects of a child's life. Because while you, as you mentioned, children are brutally honest, sometimes children are quiet and they hold things within. And unless you ask the right questions, you might not get uh, the, the answers that you need to, to help those children. So I definitely applaud you and your organization for leading the charge on that. That's wonderful. So tell us about why you feel joy in the workplace is so important. Well, you know, we just overcame a pandemic globally, Beverly, and I, I don't think we've even scratched the surface on how screwed up people are right now. Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, are feeling lonely. Uh, they're having uh, uh, mental issues, uh, health issues, and kindness counts to me. It's really important that, uh, you know, uh, I teach a trick to my kindergartners where I call it the two finger trick. I, I say, okay, kids, everybody take your index fingers, put them on the sides of your mouth. Now push, you know, we need more people smiling. There's so many miserable people in the world nowadays. I was watching this horrible show on TV last week called, um, the news and it totally depressed me and i said you know we need to really get people in a much more positive uh uh state of mind and so it's really important to me uh especially like when i'm working with uh, managers and presidents and things like that how do we uh show our teams how to stay focused on the positives rather than focusing on the negatives because i definitely believe you create the world that you're you're thinking about all the time if you focus on the problem all the time well you're going to have lots of problems if you focus on the solution you're going to focus on the solutions i am totally in alignment with you on that concept i feel that 
thoughts are things. And when we give those thoughts a place to live in the universe, then we can definitely bring them to us. So I really like your, I'm going to quote you here, kindness counts. That's something that I would like to uh, leave our listeners with. I definitely want them to take that in and to remember that we do need more kindness in the world, particularly when you watch the news and there's so many loss of lives and there's so many parents losing children and children losing parents. And there's just so much pain and, and heartache when you watch the news. While on one hand, you wanna be informed, but on the other hand, all that can sink into your environment and kind of create a much sadder space than probably you started with at the beginning of the day. So tell me, how have your experiences as a former teacher shaped your leadership philosophies? It sounds like you, you, you're you oh, wow. doing really well with the kids. I'm well, that's a great question, Beverly. Well, it's ironic that I'm considered America's leading reading ambassador because I grew up hating reading. My father was a librarian and I always hated the public library. It always smelled funny to me. The furniture was always uncomfortable. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There was always some freaky homeless guy who thought he was a vampire hanging out by the bookshelves. I always hated the library. And it wasn't until I started teaching in the inner city in South Central Los Angeles, where I saw that a lot of my students didn't have the advantages that I had growing up. And I said, shame on me. I mean, I was very blessed, Beverly. I had both of my parents in the home. Uh, we weren't wealthy, but we did always have food on the table. And my parents always read in front of us kids. They read to us kids. And we always had plenty of access to reading materials. And in my uh, studies now with, uh, uh, you know, lots of uh, studies on leadership in society, you know, there's plenty of readers that don't necessarily become effective leaders but I have never ever read about an effective leader that's not also an avid reader. And it doesn't matter what endeavor you're doing. Uh, if we look in business, uh, some of the titans of today, like Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, these people are reading voraciously every single day. Uh, in the military, uh, uh, General Schwarzkopf was said to be able to read in four languages and be able to quote Shakespeare off the top of his head. Uh, even in, in sports, uh, I could have kissed LeBron James when he was playing for the Miami Heat before the finals, they showed him in the locker room and he was reading The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. And I could have kissed him because I thought, wow, that photograph just did more to get kids interested in reading than anything I'll do my entire lifetime. And so really whatever you that you're going to do, uh, reading uh, matters. And so again, you said something which I love, Beverly, thoughts are things. And so I always tell people, you are what you read. So read good stuff. I mean, um, uh, one of my websites, I have the top uh, uh, reading club online called lazyreaders.com. It's a, a website where uh, short books for busy people, basically. Every month I offer 10 book suggestions, three or four adult level, three or four young adult level, and three or four children's level books, all under 250 pages. So people feel like they can read something while they're stuck in a boring meeting or anything. But when I'm doing those reviews, Beverly, it's fascinating because it is very difficult to find young adult books that aren't about like dystopian society or date rape or, or school shootings. And I'm like, no wonder teenagers are so screwed up. We to give them more positive things to read. Um, you know, when I'm working with leaders, you know, you have to be very intentional about your reading. So, you know, if you are trying to become a better leader, well, why don't you read about very effective leaders? If you're a marketer, why don't you read 
wonderful marketing books. Uh, these are the things that we need to be uh, very intentional about. And so again, a very long answer to a short question, Beverly. Uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm in total alignment with, with you. I am an avid reader and always have been. And it started for me uh, before I actually started school with my grandmother always sitting me down to read to me. And we had this book series called uh, Little Golden Books. And they sold them at this store that we shopped at. And so most of the time when we went to a store, she would grab one of these books for me and I couldn't wait to get home to have her read it to me because it sparked my imagination and it grew me in my mind to want to visit places and see things that, you know, I read about in these books. And then when I started school, she started me on the Dr. Seuss series, which was always so wonderful and exciting and fun. Again, at school, we had what we had a library, but we also had what was called the bookmobile. And it used to come around every Wednesday. It was this big mobile unit, mobile library, and you could go in and you could check out books. And I was always excited to see that bookmobile coming. So the next week you would turn your books back in and I would have read my books by then. And so you're right, uh, reading, you know, it, it does, uh, leaders do well to expand themselves in reading. And I think I also understand what you're saying that I don't know any leaders that don't, that don't read. So yeah, that's, and that's something we need to, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And that, that's something, you know, we need to bring back to kids. They've got the video games and they've got the TV shows, which, you know, I guess can spark their imagination, but the books are just uh, something that kind of slows them down and lets them sit and think while it's uh, improving that skill of reading. So I think we need to bring more books back around to kids. Yeah, that, that's great that you're saying that, Beverly, because when I'm working with parents, I, I always say, you know, schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask schools is, what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go turn on the TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read. I want them to choose to do it because they love it. And I think one of the biggest problems is we have such a narrow definition of reading. Most people associate reading with classical literature, you know, and there's nothing wrong with 900 page books in Russian. uh, But you know, reading can be all kinds of different things. I I can't think of a single executive I've worked with who said, you know, he tells his uh, team, oh, I need you to read this novel by tomorrow. No, there's all kinds of technical reports that you have to read. Uh, People say, oh, kids aren't reading today. And I'm like, that's completely preposterous. The, The average child today encounters more print on a daily basis than a child in the 18th century saw their entire lifetime. You know, it's just, we have to expand that definition of literacy. Um, And that's what I share with parents are just simple strategies. You know, one of the simplest strategies I share with people, because I I work often in the inner city and a parent will say, oh, I have nothing to read at home. I'm like, oh, I bet you do. Uh, President Bush Sr. over 30 years ago signed a very important law in the United States that said every television set in America has to have closed captioning. So one of the first strategies I share with parents is turn on the closed captioning. And people say, well, wait a second, the show's in English and the subtitles are in English. What good does that do? And I say, well, that's a fair point. Let me make a point, though. Have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not looked at the subtitles? It's very difficult to do. Your brain is actually directed towards that text. There's actual research 
to support this. If you look at reading scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower their reading scores are in every country on the planet except for one. The country where the kids watch the most TV also has the highest reading scores on the planet. It's Finland. And people ask, well, how can that be? I'm like, well, because Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so what they have to do is they import all these old American sitcoms, you know, Happy Days, uh, Different Strokes, things like that. And then they subtitle them in Finnish. The kids are constantly reading. So this is a quick strategy that any parent listening right now can do with their kid. Turn on the closed captioning. And uh, then the other thing that's important to me, I always say the minutes matter. We're trying to get kids uh, to read as much outside of school as possible and make it fun. And that's what also people have to understand. The research is very clear on this. It doesn't matter what you read. What matters is how much you read. It doesn't matter if you're reading James Joyce or James and the Giant Peach. People who read more read better. When I was teaching second grade, I had a little boy, Kiara, and Kiara's first grade teacher told me, Kiara don't know nothing. I'm like, well, thank you for that. Well, Kiara, who don't know nothing, comes in my classroom one day, this is long ago, and he says, hey, Mr. Bissell, you see Barkley last night? He had 18.16 boards. I'm like, thank you, Kiara. Because from that day forward, every day after lunch, I'd sit Kiara on my lap. We'd read the LA Times sports page together. And wouldn't you know it, Beverly? By the end of the year, he was one of my top readers. And all that kid ever read was sports. Now, do I think Shakespeare's important? Yes, but this is what I tell parents. The little boy who only reads Captain Underpants is going to become a better reader than the little boy who refuses to read anything. Captain Underpants is the gateway drug to Shakespeare, but we got to get the kid interested. Same thing, even when I'm dealing with adults, corporate executives, some of the laziest people, oh, I don't have time to read. I'm like, yeah, who has time to read after you watch the game on TV, have a couple of beers, uh, go shopping? I mean, all of life is priorities. You know, you have mm -hmm. time. And so I'm just trying to show people how to create some daily habits. So like I begin and end my day just reading the Bible for 10 minutes. It's something positive, uh, you know, uh, find something positive to read or something funny to read. Nothing negative. I don't like the negativity. Uh, you know, again, you have a great theme there, Beverly. Thoughts are things. So why don't we fill our that's why we listen to the, your podcast is this is something positive to start our day. Awesome. Yes. And I definitely appreciate you dropping that little nugget to turn on the closed captioning. You know, you don't even that doesn't even cost you anything. You don't have to go out and buy books or anything. Just turn on the closed captioning and sure. let them read from there. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a great that's a great concept. So let's let's talk a little bit more about um, joy in the workplace. What are some ways that leaders can create joy in the workplace? Well, so that's a great question, Beverly. And so, you know, I've been working with uh, a couple of executives this past week. Uh, they're putting together, we call them their stump speeches. I've heard people call them a signature talk. It's whatever. It's a presentation on how do you keep your folks motivated? Uh, how do you identify yourself? And so uh, we've been working on how do we create a positive environment, uh, you know, uh, I'm a big believer in post-it notes, uh, whether I'm working with kids or adults, it's different when it's written down. And uh, it's amazing when you just take the time to write a quick, simple note, how uh, those things matters. There's a great story of, uh, there was a fifth grade teacher, this was many years ago, and her fifth graders were just being so rude to one another. And so she said, stop it all. I want everybody to get out a piece of paper and a pencil. And on the left-hand side of your paper, I want you to write every student's name in this class. And on the right-hand side, I want you to write something positive about each of those people. 
And so she had the students do it. And then over the weekend, she spent the entire weekend uh, putting together a document for each child that had all of the positive comments their classmates said about them. And on Monday morning, she gave them to her fifth graders and something really amazing happened. The kids were really quiet and they, they read those pages and her class was totally better the rest of the year. And she thought nothing of it until many years later, one of her former fifth graders died in Vietnam. And so she went to the funeral and after the uh, military honors uh, presented the parents with the flag, the parents presented her with the flag. And she said, oh, I can't accept this. This is for you. And they said, well, when he died in Vietnam, uh, in his wallet, they found this piece of paper of all these nice things that were said about his fifth grade classmates in fifth grade. Well, the teacher was overwhelmed. And as she was hearing this, she's like, I can't believe it. And uh, all of a sudden a woman interrupts and she's like, my husband has his in a frame in his office. Uh, and then another guy's like, I have mine right here in my wallet. You know, words matter. Like, let's use positive ones. We have a choice every single day. And so if there's one way to bring joy in the workplace, it's to stop the negativity all, all the way. You know, we have a choice. We can be Darth Vader or, or uh, Ben Kenobi. We can be the darkness or the light. So why don't we spend more time uh, being the light? And it's the simple things. It's, it's really not that complicated. It's little things, uh, listening uh, to people. You know, you're doing a great job of listening to me, Beverly. I just keep on going on and on. But there's something to be said about that. There's a lot of power in listening. Uh, it's that old uh, nursery rhyme, a wise old owl sat in an oak. The more he heard, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we all be like that wise old bird? I always remember that. I thought, wow, what are you, that, that says it all. So those are just some, some of the simple strategies uh, about how do we really bring that joy. You know, it starts with us. Let's smile. Start off the day with something positive. Uh, the last book that I I wrote, uh, it was for a, a uh, and I'm going to give it to everybody today uh, as a, as a gift to listening to me. But uh, I wrote it for a school principal who was trying to figure out how to keep his faculty and staff positively engaged. And so I said, okay, I'll write you a book. So every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation demonstrates the same concept. You can read that in five minutes. And I'm so happy to say now, Beverly, we got CEOs starting off their, their weekly meetings with a Dr. Seuss book, because uh, I've always thought that the children's literature is where it's at. That's where a lot of the best lessons are. And um, I think it's a great way, that and singing are a great way to get people to stop taking themselves so seriously and, and just take their mission much more seriously. Because I've learned you ain't all that, neither am I. And if you think you're all that, teach kindergarten for one week. Those little ones will set you straight. I once had a little girl, LaShonda. I'm like, LaShonda, what's your question? And she said, Miss Bissell, when are you going to trim your nose hairs? I'm like, uh, this afternoon. Thanks for bringing that to my attention, LaShonda. I ain't all that. So again, very long answer to your short question, but hopefully I gave you some some stuff you can gnaw on. That's, that's wonderful. I like the story about the teacher who got each of the kids to write something nice about each of the kids. And then, for instance, if there were 25 kids in the room, now you've got 25 beautiful things that people see in you. And I'm a big proponent of people act the way you expect, 
the words you say to them matter, the labels you give them or the things that you say to them about themselves matter. And so to your point, if you have a chance to say something, why not say something good? It's it's easier uh, to say something good than it is to say something bad because it gives you a better feel. It gives the speaker a better feeling. And so listening to you, which you, you're correct, I was very intently listening because what you were saying was so exciting and so interesting. And these are all nuggets that are very, very easy to put into place. So to bring some joy back into the workplace, let's show your, your coworkers and your leaders how much you appreciate them, what you really think about them instead of making them feel that their contributions aren't valuable or making them think that their skills aren't relevant. Let's flip that around, you know, and, and go the other way with that. So that's a, a really great point. I appreciate that. So tell me, how do you think you can go about um, or what role does the leader play? And uh, we heard about the teacher who instructed her kids to say something interest, uh, say something good about each one of their classmates. So what, what role can the leader play in shaping a more joyful workforce, I'll call it? Inspiration comes in all forms, Beverly. And so I think about my, my second grade teacher, Miss Hess, at Blanche Stoddard Elementary School in Iowa Falls, Iowa. She was amazing. All of us second graders were at our desk one day uh, doing some kind of seat work. And all of a sudden she popped her head up and, and interrupt us and said, uh, raise your hands if you can see this pencil I'm holding right now. And all of us raised our hands and she said, good, follow me. And she takes us out to the hallway and she said, raise your hand if you can see that exit sign at the end of the hallway. And all of us raised our hands and she said, good, follow me. And she took us out to the playground and she said, raise your hand if you can see that house across the street and all of us raised our hands and she said good now this is a tough one raise your hand if you can see the water tower five blocks away and all of us raised our hands and she said good now here's a tough question how far can you see and one little girl said, I can see a mile. And I said, I can see two miles. And one little boy said, I can see five miles. And she said, any farther? And all of us shook our heads. And she said, good. Now look up. And all of us looked up. And she said, raise your hand if you can see the sun. And all of us raised our hands. And she said, good. Did you know that the sun is 92.9 million miles away. And the farthest any of you thought you could see is five miles. You all are grossly underestimating what you are capable of. And that always stuck with me. So if there's one thing I would love every leader out there to do is what can you do to inspire your team to push themselves to go farther every single day? Wow, that is so, I'm sitting here smiling and I'm so excited. And, you know, when you said, you know, how far can you see? I was thinking, well, how far can I see? I think I could see like, you know, but never really thought of it in that context. You know, when somebody can always open your eyes to something new, that's why you should listen to people and never take anyone for granted that they don't have anything to offer. It's, you can you can learn something from 
just everybody. And I have learned a lot from you today just during this show. And I'm really excited about the information that you've delivered and how my listeners will receive that information. Wonderful, wonderful talk. Thank you so much. So tell me about maybe the social media that you want to promote today. Well, I wanted to, again, as a, as a thank you to everybody, I wanted to give them a couple of freebies. So I'm going to give everybody a complimentary ebook of uh, that book I was talking about. It's called Read, Lead, and Succeed. It has all kinds of fun stories in there. Uh, you can get it at freegiftfromdanny.com. Again, freegiftfromdanny.com. Also, I'm going to provide everybody access to a five-day reading challenge I did last summer with about 700 parents around the world, where every day for an hour for five consecutive days, I give you all kinds of strategies on how to get your kids to read more, read better, and most importantly, how to love reading. You can get all of that at freegiftfromdanny.com. And if anybody wants to reach me, uh, again, my name is Danny Brussell. My last name is really easy to remember how to spell. It's spelled like bras cell. No, I never took any grief over that as a child. And I just, I really appreciate all that you're doing, Beverly. Uh, it's the little things that really matter. Uh, I, uh, you never know who's listening right now, who you just touched their day. So thanks for all that you do. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I can see why they call you the Jim Carrey. So, you know, because your talk has been enlightening, interesting, humorous, and funny, real. You know, and I really, really enjoyed this today. So I'm going to encourage everyone once again to go and get the book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. And you can get that at freegiftfromdanny.com. And Danny is spelled D-A-N-N-Y. So go to freegiftfromdanny.com, get all this free stuff, open up your kids' minds to reading, open up their thoughts and their process, encourage your team, bring more joy into the workplace. And remember above all that kindness counts. So let's not forget that. Again, thank you so much, Dr. Brissell, for joining me today. I have really enjoyed this talk and I'm sure my listeners have as well. Thank Thank you and have a great day. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Team Building Cultures. We hope we have delivered helpful and enlightening information to help you create your dream team. Join us next time.